right, were they getting the lights? Good evening, everybody. Uh, excited to continue in our study in Galatians. It's been really good. I've really benefited from the teaching of all the great teachers we have here at AMCOG. And thank you all, because it, um, it's been something that's been on my mind, even, you know, not even just in preparation, but I really appreciate the study we're going through. So we've had a week off, so I'm going to kind of give you a little jump start reminder. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I know if you're like me, you need a little jump start when I miss a week. In fact, you know, if I sleep, I need a little jump start. But we have been studying through Galatians. So for a quick review, Paul, the apostle, is writing to the churches in the region of Galatia because there's a problem. And it's a problem you'll see the zeal of Paul. You'll see how he, as we're talking about tonight, the fruit of the Spirit, is full of love and care, that that love overflows to him in service to those that he has discipled and that he loves. And he's writing this letter because he's concerned. He's concerned because in this area of Galatia, you have the churches primarily made up of Gentile believers. Now, those are believers that not, are not of Jewish background. So they have come to salvation. They've received the Spirit through a simple faith in Jesus Christ. Just like me and you have received salvation, we've received the Spirit by a simple faith in Jesus Christ. And they were continuing their walk with that simple faith. But then you had this group of men, and they're referred to in Galatians as false brethren or false brothers. And that's a pretty serious term to be called by the Apostle Paul, false brothers. Because they considered themselves Christians and believers, but Paul said they were false. So you see the sternness and the seriousness here. So this group of men have come in, and to this, these churches in Galatia, they are preaching a message. And Paul calls it a different gospel, although it's not a gospel at all, he says. And it's that, you know, you had this simple faith in Christ when you came to him, but that's not enough. If you really want to be a believer, if you truly saved, you must be circumcised. You must come under the law of Moses and even follow may, perhaps some of the traditions of the Jewish faith. And then with your faith in Christ, you're saved. Now, is it ever okay to be Jesus, faith in Jesus for our standing before God, a righteous standing before God? Is it ever okay to say, okay, it's my faith in Jesus, plus I have to do this, plus I have to do that? No. And so you hear the seriousness of, of Paul there in even the first chapter. In Galatians 1, he's talking to this, and he says, I marvel. It's astonishing to me that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you. So here's that group of false brethren who are troubling you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Here's the seriousness, but if, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than, than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And he says it again. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him 
the accursed. So here you see the seriousness in Paul's tone. And he goes on to affirm his authority as an apostle. Because it's very important that this group recognize that he is an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has received revelation from Jesus Christ himself. And it has been approved from the other apostles, such as James and Peter. But you see the seriousness of this group, their influence upon the early church. Like I said, they're called the false brethren or the Judaizers because we have an account in chapter 2 that even Peter and Barnabas were influenced by these teachings. Before, at the church of Antioch, Peter would come in and he would sit with the Gentile believers, those that had not been circumcised but had a faith in Christ. He would sit and he would eat with them. But when this group of men came, guess what Peter started to do? He no longer would eat with them. And he was, he was intimidated by this group. Well, maybe in his heart he was saying, you know, I'll just do this until these guys leave and I'll go back and eat with them later. Because I really do feel like they're saved. But by his actions, because he was a leader, it was he was sending forth, he was reinforcing that message that something's wrong with these believers. They're not really saved. If I won't even eat with them, then they must not really be saved. So he was reinforcing that message. And Paul confronted him publicly about it. And you see there in Galatians 2 some really great scriptures that Paul, that Paul uses um, such as uh, Galatians 2.16, and I'm only going to read part of that. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And skipping down to the end. For by the works of the law, no flesh, no person shall be justified. No person shall earn their righteous standing before God by the law. All right, in chapters 3 and 4, we went in and we studied this. And Paul, does he kind of goes back and does a, expounds on Scripture. He does a really deep theological um, discourse about why, even all the way back to Abram, to Abraham, when God made the covenant with Abraham that came before circumcision, that came before the law of Moses, it was by faith. And it says that in Galatians 3, verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he goes on then. Last time we met, we studied chapter 5. And Paul really sums it up there in verse 1 of chapter 5. And you have the word therefore. In other words, a lot of times when you see therefore, it's there for a reason. It means because I said all this, all that he said in the previous chapters, now I'm going to sum up. Because of that, he says, stand fast. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be tangled again, entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So we're not under the law. When we were under the law, we were slaves to the law because we could never earn our right standing before God by the law. So he says, don't go back to those things. Don't go back to circumcision to earn your righteousness. You were slaves. Christ has set you free. Set you free to be saved by grace and to walk 
by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For him not only to save you and to give you his spirit, but to continue on by the spirit, to continue on with that faith that he will bring you to maturity. Because, you know, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And it goes on to verse 6. Again, Paul stressing, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And I love verse 7 because I think it can speak to all of us. He said, you ran well. He was talking to those, those believers, those Gentile believers in Galatia. He said, by faith, you had this simple faith in Christ and you were running through a race. You were setting out and you were completing your race and walking this race by faith and you were doing well, just like we are walking our walk with the Lord, our journey with the Lord by faith. But perhaps we can ask ourselves this, who hindered you or what hindered you from obeying the truth? What has come in and got you off track? Where along the this path, oh, believers of Galatia, have you? why have you started to believe that it's more than just simple faith in Christ, that you must be circumcised, or that you must obey the law? And for us, where is it that we have gone astray? Where do we feel like, okay, Lord, if I do this, and I do this, and I do this, then I have right standing with you. Or God, I, I, I'm a mess up. I've messed up. But if I do this, this, and this, and this, I'll fix it. And then I'll show you, God, I'll make it better in my ability. Who has hindered us? So that brings us tonight to the rest of the lesson. I'm going to pick up in Galatians chapter 13. But I'd like to, I mean, not chapter 13, verse 13 of chapter 5. But I'd like to start in prayer and um I apologize, but I'm going to be skipping around tonight. I'm actually going to start at the end of the verses that I'm going to be going over tonight. Towards, I'm going through chapter 6, verse 10. I'm going to kind of work my way back, backwards. So if you give me grace for that, I just couldn't get away from the Lord wanting me to do that. So um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you on the basis of Jesus Christ and Him alone in whom I stand, and whom I have my salvation and my righteousness. God, and I just thank you for each and every person here. God, and I thank you more than anything for your presence. And I ask, Lord, tonight that you will teach us, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what the Spirit is saying tonight. God, that your words, Holy Spirit, will go forth and stay with us, and my words will fall to the wayside. God, I give you praise and glory in all things. Teach us your ways tonight, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to start out with a little bit of a personal story. Okay, so I told you that this uh, study on Galatia has affected me, Galatians, and it has. So, in the beginning, we've done this study for several weeks now. In the beginning, I found myself kind of in a certain season of my life. I was rather discouraged with myself. And I don't know if you've ever been here, but I would say to the Lord, Lord, I miss you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you. But my words weren't lining up with my actions. I would go to have my devotion time. I'd get out my phone to read my Bible app, and instead I'd land on Fox News or land on something else, and then by the time I was done, my time was up. 
Or I'd go to pray and I just like fall asleep or I'd get up to have my devotion time and I'm like, well, I'll just go in there and I always like to get my kitchen clean first thing. And by the time I was done with that, then I need to do laundry and then I did no devotion. And it was like, this was just a pattern. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry, but I'm saying sorry and I'm not changing. So in my devotion time that I was having, I set up me a rigid schedule. Okay, Kim, you're going to fix this. At 6.30, you're going to get up. You're going to listen to your podcast while you walk on that treadmill. (laughs) That's another big if, too. (laughs) And then after that, you're going to spend about 15, 20 minutes journaling. And then after that journaling, you're going to have your prayer time. And after that prayer time, you're going to have a good, solid hour in your discipleship book. And then from there, you're going to meet at the church on Wednesday mornings, and you're going to pray before your meeting. And then... You're going to encourage your friends to start a discipleship group. And it just went on and on. You see what I'm saying? I was going to fix myself. It's going to fix that problem. Well, thanks to the dear teachers here in Galatia, of Galatians, I'm sitting here listening to the message, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm doing that very thing. I'm striving. I'm striving. I'm bringing myself under trying to fix myself, and I'm not walking by faith. So I said, okay, God, I royally messed that up. So I'm going to walk by faith, total faith. I'm not going to schedule anything. I'm not going to set aside. And just when I feel the unction to pray, I will pray. And when I feel the unction to set aside time for devotions, I'll have devotions. So I bumped along like that. And there were a few times I prayed, a few times I had, you know, throughout the day, I would think to pray. And about three weeks later, I had a really hard night, one of those bad nights that kind of sneak up on you. I had conflict in a place that I don't normally have conflict. And then I was around about three really tired people after that who only made things worse. And it was just a really hard night. And even though it would have been hard on any circumstances, there was was feelings in me that, thank goodness, self-control had a little bit of control left. Because otherwise, there was a whole bunch of anger that wanted to come out. There was a whole bunch of, and this is what I put it, there was a whole bunch of me, my will, my intellect, my emotions, in other words, what I want, what I think about it, (laughs) and what I feel should have been very important that night to everybody. So that was, was ruling me, and I said, Lord, what is this? Like, I mean, I know I would have had some reaction but this didn't feel right. What's going on? And it hit me. I'm being led by the flesh. And it's a result of that bumping along for about three weeks. And it was really more like a drifting along. Because I'm sorry, in my flesh, I don't naturally incline to set aside time for the Lord. And so anyway, that's where I found myself. So I said, Lord, teach me. Because here I am at this extreme, and then I went to this extreme. Teach me. Well, you know God sets you up sometimes, right? Well, then it was time for me to study for this lesson because I needed to get ahead because we had VBS. And so I sat down to study for this lesson and I was like, oh, wow. God, you just made that so clear to me. And so that's what I want to teach from tonight is what the Lord showed me about the balance. How do we walk by faith? But yet, how do we not trust in ourselves to fix the things that God needs to bring that transformation in our life. So let's look at um, Galatians 6. I'm going to begin with verses 7 and 8. And it should be 
on the board here too. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So I started out, what does sow mean? Because maybe we just need to define those words. Well, sow means to plant. That's what a farmer does when he plants his seed. He either scatters it on the ground, on his dirt, or he actually literally puts it in the ground. That's sowing. Reaping is when that seed grows. It will bear fruit, and so whatever harvest we bring in, that is reaping. And you've heard the expression, we reap what we sow, meaning whatever actions we commit, good or bad, we're going to bring in or have the consequences of those actions. So it's that same principle. So let's talk about gardening, because I really like to garden. And the Lord has, I think one of the aspects that I really like to garden is because there's a lot of spiritual lessons that the Lord has taught me over the years. Um, I'm not an expert by any means. I've just had little gardens, but um, have learned some. So my question is, how do we prepare the heart, the soil of our hearts to receive the good seed that bears the fruit of the Spirit? So we're going to be talking about all those elements So if my heart, if I think about preparing a garden, there's many things I have to do in order for that seed to grow. Now, I can't control the growth, but there's things that I can prepare the garden. In the same way, how do I prepare my heart for the good seed that the Lord plants in there? So what's the process? And this is very important because in Proverbs 4 and 23, it says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Wow. Guard your hearts, for it determines what? The course of your life. And Jesus, in Matthew 12, said, A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If that heart is good, if that seed is good, a fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes or you brood of vipers, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart, determines what you say, or out of the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good produ- person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So let's talk about pre- preparing the soil of our heart. So tonight I'm going to have a picture, pictures of a garden that I did when we lived in Middle Tennessee. So she's going to be putting it up there here in just a minute. Okay, there it is. Beautiful, huh? Not real big, but um, put, put a lot of work into this garden. So what was the first thing? Do you notice the field of weeds around there? All right, where my garden is, that line extended. So that was pure weeds. All right? So the step one that I had to do is I had to remove the grass and the weeds. And this was hard work. It can be very laborious, especially like that, where it was overgrown with le- weeds. But how can we do this spiritually, and what do those weeds represent? So bear with me. This is a little bit of a long passage, but I want to go to the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, 3 through 9. So Jesus, he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as that had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, his disciples didn't always get it, and thank goodness, because we don't always get it too, so he gave an explanation in verse starting with verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. So the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that fell on the rocky soil, and I'm going to talk about rocks here in a little while, represent those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but are all too quickly. Um, The message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. All right. So what things are planted in our heart? And what are choked out? What chokes out the good seed? So what things are sowed into my garden Or what things that were there that can choke out the good seeds? What are we sowing into the flesh, our garden, our heart, that can choke out the good seed that the Lord has put there, that it won't grow to bear fruit? Well, worries of this life. You know, that kind of reminded me of my doing nothing. I was kind of bumping along, and guess what? Did I graviate every day to spend time in prayer naturally? No, I naturally gravitated towards busyness of life and getting caught up in just the day-to-day and the worries of life. And it actually kept me from spending time with the Lord. So those could be the weeds of our garden, the the lure of wealth, distractions of this world. And that brings me to John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So what's the lust of the flesh? It's the things that pleases this body that we want. So we're living for pleasure. We're living just solely to please this flesh. What about the lust of the eyes? I see it and I want it. And it consumes me. I covet And I want these things. The pride of life, anything that we want to exalt ourselves, it's all about me. It's about my rights. It's about making myself look good. Well, we must must remove these influences that that inhibit our growth. We got to pull out the grass. So what are some things in our life, guys? What are some things in your life that could be weeds that choke out the good seed? You know, it could be TV shows. Not all TV is bad. But if we get home and we say, hey, I'm just going to watch one show, and then I'm going to spend time with the Lord. But if you get into one of those seasons, you know, where it just automatically keeps playing, it'll be 11 o'clock at night before you, you realize what's happened. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's places we go. Maybe it's people that we need to set boundaries 
with. Whatever it may be, we need to examine ourselves. We need to think about these things. Now, I want to tell you about the story of this garden in particular. Well, do you see the nice mowed path around it? That I think my husband did that. Um, but do you see the, the border of rocks that I have? So originally, I just had a left um, a little part around the, the garden dirt so I could walk there and I wouldn't have to walk through the weeds and stuff. But if I left my garden for two days, I didn't just have one or two or three little weeds coming up. I had like 60 or 70, and I'm like, Lord, this has never happened before. Where are all these weeds coming from? And then it hit me. I'm surrounded by weeds that have come to seed. So every time the wind blows, guess what blows into my garden? All these seeds that are weeds. And it kind of reminded me of our life. If we allow these influences to be so close on a daily basis, we're going to have to daily, constantly, not just pick out a few things in our life. We're going to have to constantly be pulling out because of these influences. So that really hit me there. And guys, just if we leave our gardens unintended, just kind of like I did, be bopping along for three weeks, I'm walking by faith, but really I was walking by the flesh. <laughs> um, weeds will grow without any help. <sighs> so, and another way we can sow to the flesh is that we can decide that we know a better way to grow fruit. Just like those Galatians said, you know, these, these Judaizers were coming in and said, there's a better way. Yes, Jesus Simple faith by Jesus, that's not enough. There's, there's our way's better. You've got to come under the law. You've got to be circumcised. And then you can have faith in Jesus too. And then you're a believer. So sometimes we think we know better. It's kind of like this garden. See uh, my nice tomato cages here? And I think the other picture, Amber, shows them a little better. And I have a teepee and stuff. Well, I decided my parents have gardened for years. And my dad said, you always got to stake those tomatoes out. Well, I decided to plant a different garden, a real small one, over by our chicken house. <sighs> yes, we had chickens. My, my son did a 4-H project, 25 chickens. <sighs> anyway, so I was like, I'm not going to stake these out. i got to borrow the little pounder from my dad because I'm not strong enough. i got to get a sledgehammer. I about kill myself every time I do it. So I'm not, I'm not who, who these tomato plants, they don't really need to be staked. Oh, my gosh. They grew not up, they grew out everywhere on top of each other. It was a mess, and I couldn't get in to pull the weeds. They grew, the weeds grew. I, the, the fruit set on the ground because I couldn't get down there. In fact, I didn't want to because we have a lot of snakes near that chicken house, and I didn't want to stick my hand down there. So it was just a mess. Only fruit I got is what I could reach around the border, and it wasn't that much. I thought I knew best. I didn't. Sometimes we do that to the Lord. God, yeah, you're telling me this way. Your word says this. Nah, I think you can do it this way. That's still sowing to the flesh. Good God has the way. The Lord has the way that leads to life. But there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. So um, moving on. So what is the result of continuing of? of sowing to the flesh. Well, that's made clear to us in Galatians chapter 5. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And I think it's very unique that it's the works of the flesh. It's the fruit of the Spirit, but the works of the flesh. 
So this is what's going to become evident in our life as we're sowing into the flesh and allowing these weeds or whatever it may be to grow in the garden of our heart. Okay, they are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it may start out small, anger that we can't control, wrath, jealousies. It's all about me. But as those plants begin to grow, as those weeds grow in our heart and we do not, they choke out the good seed of the Lord and they begin to bear their fruit. But it's not fruit, it's the works of the flesh. Those become evident. It comes, we, became, we become controlled by the flesh. All right, for the, so the first step to preparing my garden was to pull all those weeds out. And I just have to let you know, just because it was hard work, I don't do it my tiller. I didn't have the strength to crank up most of the time, and he, he, he stayed pretty busy, so that was done by a shovel, and that was a lot of work. But um, So the next step I had to do was remove the rocks, break up the hard clods of dirt, and till the soil. And guys, sometimes it's really hard work to pull up, pull up the weeds in our heart. If we've gone a long way, a long time walking in the flesh and not sowing into the spirit, it may be hard. But just like that garden, it was worth it in the end. All right. So we have to remove the rocks now. In this garden, you see the nice little border around. That was just a little, little, like 1% of the rocks that was in that garden. There was This place in Middle Tennessee is the rockiest place I've ever lived in. Um, if you want to go to the other picture, Amber... If you see that tree back there, there's that white, that lighter area in the weeds is actually my pile of rocks that constantly throwing over there in that little garden. It was this huge pile of rocks. So I had to remove the rocks from my garden and other, uh, so my plants could grow well, so I could get in there and get my tiller in there. And there were hard clobs of dirt that felt like rocks, but they weren't. But a seed was not going to grow in that hard clod of dirt. So how can we do this spiritually? How can we do this in the garden of our heart? Well, the rocks could be sin, to be things that we're not supposed to be doing. So repentance, as we're, there are things that we need to throw out of the garden of our heart. You know, as I was tilling, these rocks would come to the surface. And as the Holy Spirit, as we're walking with him, he'll bring things to the light. Well, that's the moment that we need to repent. That's the moment that we need to repent to turn away and surrender it to him. So breaking up those clods, surrendering our will, our emotions, our agenda to the Lord, being, being willing to yield to the Holy Spirit and tilling. As I tilled that soil, even if I got the rocks and the clods, it still was hard So because it was a long time under those weeds and, and that in the same way, sometimes our hearts have become hard. We need to break up pride. We need to be walking in humility, whether it's done by fasting or just every day surrendering our hearts before the Lord. So we need to do these steps for the garden of our heart. The next thing we need to do, the next thing I had to do was prepare that soil. 
Because I found out as I began to plant and my, my little plants weren't growing well, I was like, what's going on with this? Well, apparently when they built the highway in front of the house, guess what they did with all the extra fill dirt? Well, that was, where, that was the dirt from my garden. They dumped it in the backyard there. And it didn't have nutrients in it. It was full of rocks. It was full of junk. And so I had to fertilize it. Well, I had chickens for that. <laughs> I had lots of good resources from that chicken house. So I was able to fertilize it pretty easily, except for the getting it out of the chicken house. And um, I also needed to water it during the dry, dry times. How can we do that? How can we prepare our hearts to receive? We can nourish the soil of our hearts by reading the word, praying, spending time with the Lord, hearing the word of God. Because Romans 10 and 17 says that, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we have to prepare our hearts so the Lord can plant that seed in it. So we can grow and bear fruit by nourishing. We can do that part. We can prepare our heart. We can fertilize it. And what about the next step? Now, look at this. The next step is preparing the rose for the seed. Now, I'm rather proud in this moment. I I can hopefully not not in the bad way. (laughs) But those rows were actually straight. (laughs) But that did not come by just randomly planting these seeds. I don't have that ability, even though I think I do sometimes. So I had to get out string. I had to get out measuring Things I had to redo it several times because I would end up not having room for my teepee or not having room for my tomatoes or my, or my rows would be angled wrong. So I worked hard at this. I had to be very intentional. Guys, and in the same way spiritually, we do have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about setting aside time to spend with the Lord to pray, to read his word. We also have to be intentional about those influences. Like I realized I had to intentionally mow the grass around my garden or I was going to spend a lot of time weeding it. So I had to be intentional. And all throughout the word, we are commanded to prepare the soil of our heart with the help of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5 and 24, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Did it say Jesus nailed it? No, it says those who belong to Christ nailed the desire and crucified. In Romans 13, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus. Now, the you in all these verses to come is understood. You're not going to see it, but it's you put on the Lord Jesus. You make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And in James 4, 7 through 10, and I'm just going to kind of read those highlights. You submit to God. You resist the devil. You draw near to God. You cleanse your hands. You purify your hearts. You lament. You mourn and weep. You humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And I think Jesus says it very clearly in Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and him take up his cross daily and let him follow me. Wait a minute. 
You just started the lesson in the beginning talking about how you had a rigid schedule and that was not okay. That you were trying to, in your own ability, to bring change. I thought you said, Kim, that it was by faith. I very much said that. But these are the things that we must be intentional about, but they will not earn us our salvation. They will not promise us that we will bring trans- that we will have transformation. They will not fix us to be pleasing to the Lord. These are things that we need to do to prepare our hearts for the Lord to have His way, for the Lord to bring the growth, for the Lord to gr- to bring us to maturity. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 and 7, it says, I planted, talking about Paul, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. And it's the same in our life. We can do these things, but this is not what we live by. This is not... We're not earning our place before the Lord. We're preparing our hearts for Him, to Him to bring the growth. Just in the same way, when I got all my garden prepared and I planted that seed, I could not will it to grow. I could not say, little seed, okay, I've done everything, so now you are guaranteed to grow and you're guaranteed to produce abundant fruit. Because you know what? Some years I planted, did everything I could, and no seeds grew from that row. Other years I would plant and be like, okay, I don't know if these are coming up, but every one of them would come up. And one year I grew cherry tomatoes that were so fruitful and as many as I eat every morning, which is a seen amount, I had bucketfuls to take to others. I can't control that. And just as I trust in Jesus' finished work on the cross for salvation, I must completely trust in His Spirit to transform my life and bring me to maturity in Christ. I can prepare my heart, but that's His work. And He's faithful. And He's faithful. Checking off a checklist, making endless schedules every time I fail, stressing about it, trying to force change in my life, and trusting in my own ability to transform myself will never bring about the fruit of the Spirit. It will only develop by waiting and trusting Him. We can prepare our hearts just like I prepared that garden, but the rest is up to Him. There's a war that wages within. If you want to read Galatians 5, 16 through 18, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You can see this very beautifully put out in Romans chapter 7. I encourage you, if you ever have time, to read that. But this is where I was. You know, even though I was bebopping along saying I'm walking by faith, my flesh took over. If I, because I wasn't spending time preparing my heart, I was just kind of coasting. I was drifting along. And those, those weeds just started to grow quickly and choke out the good word of the Lord. So there's that war. So we've got to prepare our hearts. 
So the enlit the Lord absolutely amazes with beautiful fruit in, the lo- in our lives. And what fruit is that? Galatians 5, 22 through 26. And it is the fruit. Fruit grows naturally. I cannot push fruit out of a tree. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, if we've begun in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's continue in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And if you notice, the the works of the flesh were very self-seeking, all about me and how I please my flesh. Look at these fruit. You know, the first one's love, joy, peace, and we go into patience, kindness, That's how I serve my brother and sister. So just like my cherry tomato plant that year that produced so much, it blessed me. But then there was so much abundance I could bless my church family. And they could be blessed by the fruit that the the Lord developed in my garden. And in the same way, this fruit is to serve others. So that continues to the next step. We must continue to maintain the soil of our heart. I could do all this work in my garden, and then I don't walk in and hang my hat and say, okay, I'll check back in about late August, middle August, and I'll reap my harvest. What's going to happen? Those weeds are going to grow, and somewhere it seemed about late July, for some reason we always had this three-week drought and I better get out and weed my garden. I had to throw new fertilizer on it from time to time. I had to continue on. I had to continue servicing my garden, weeding it. We have to continue tending to the garden of our heart. We don't become saved and just coast. We have to weed it. We have to examine. We have to look for those influence that are beginning to crowd out the, the word of the Lord. We have to continue to read And to hear the word of the Lord, praying, seeking his face, worshiping him. And this is a faith that calls us to action. It's not just a simple belief in our heads. And like I said, it won't be just for ourselves. It will be for others, a blessing to others. It will be to serve one another in love and advance his kingdom. Just like in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, at the end, it's a good seed that fell on the good soil. How much did it produce? 30, 60, 100 fold. So we're going to overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. But that's not just for ourselves. Because in Galatians 5 and 5 and 13 through 15, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom. So Christ has given us this freedom to live in him by faith my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So the fruit of the Spirit is to serve each other. And it even said that in Galatians 1. He said, this liberty is is to love and to serve one another. And it's summed up, the whole law is summed up in loving your brother, loving your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you look at the beginning of chapter 6, I think Paul really is bringing this to a practical level. Because here you have these believers in Christ that are being influenced by these Judaizers. And some of them, in their earnest to follow Christ, have just been deceived. They're not making a conscious choice. Oh, I want to turn away from the gospel. I want to go this way. They're just deceived. And that's going to happen to us. And we're going to have brothers and sisters sometimes that are just misled. They're deceived. But they need us in love, in gentleness to confront them, to get them back on the path. And that's part of that fruit of the Spirit as it develops in us that love, that gentleness, that kindness, that it can overflow to serve others. And even in this way, so let's read verses 1 through 6. And perhaps this was for some of the brothers that were falling away after this different gospel. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then we will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So you see the love, you see the service, and even the caring for those that are teaching you to share in all things. And in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, at the end of the verses we're studying tonight, it said, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At, the, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those family of faith. So as we prepare our hearts, the garden of our hearts for the Lord, and he plants that good seed, and by faith, by trusting in him, he does that work, and he develops that plant, and he grows that fruit, and we harvest it, and we share with one another, we can be a blessing to those around us, that we can not get tired of doing what is good. And every time we have the opportunity, we will do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, I want to conclude tonight with an illustration. Because, like I said, the Lord used, he set me up with this lesson. Because not only did he teach me, but then I had to go over it and and restudy it. And then it was too long, so I had to redo it. And then it was too long again, and then I had to redo it. And then it was too long again, and I had to redo it. And then actually it was still too long, so I had to redo it again. So repetition, what is how do you say it? About repeating (laughs) things what? Things not often repeated are soon forgotten. The Lord knows how I am. So I repeated this lesson many, many times, so I'd get it, and I'm so thankful for that. But Monday night, I was sitting here in CR, right right about where Carrie is there, and uh, during worship, beautiful worship, so thankful for our CR worship, so free, and um, I was just thinking, God, I have so many things that I let intimidate me, 
and, and I'm afraid of doing so many things. And those things, Lord, they keep me from obeying you. In fact, sometimes I'm afraid to even ask you because I'm afraid that I'll say no because I'm scared. I don't want to be like that, God, but I've, I've never been able to change it. And I'm tired of it. And as I sat there, um, we were, got to the chip ceremony at the end, and I'd already contemplated going and getting a chip. Now, if you go get a chip, that represents that you're ready to surrender something to the Lord. And I was like, God, why do I need to go up there? Because if I get that chip tomorrow, the next day, it's just going to be the same. That chip is just going to be a reminder of my failure. Because I don't know how to fix this, God. Because I've tried for however many years I am that I'm not going to say. And I haven't fixed it yet. So why go up and get that chip? I don't need a visible reminder of my failure. And he said, Kim, he said, I want you to stop for a minute. I want you to think about the other chips. We've been doing CR, what, about a year and a half now? I want you to think about the other chips that you've gone up for. Begin to go over those in your mind. And I did. I started thinking about it. I'm like, wow, yeah. I see noticeable change with this one. Yeah. Whole lot of change with this one. I couldn't change these things before. Yeah, that's been getting a lot better, Lord. And I went on. And I'm like, I was the same way with each one of these. I was like, God, I can't fix these things. I've tried. Believe me, I like to try. I like to show God that I can do it. But I couldn't. But when I surrendered it, and then I looked back, and I just kept on with my life, and I trusted him for that fruit, I looked back, and he has done it. Now, there's still a work in progress. But he's bringing that transformation. And he's faithful. And in the same way, what is it in your life that you got, you've been trying to fix? That we're trusting like, oh, foolish Galatians, you who began in the Spirit, are you now continuing by the works of the flesh? We who have began in the Spirit with a simple faith in Christ, what are we trying to continue by the works of the flesh? Yeah, God, this is an ugly problem. I need to fix it. You're right. You're right. Now, we do have to prepare our heart for his work. But guys, he's the faithful one. That's where it's by faith. We surrender it. We repent of all the things. We remove the influences. We spend time with him, but then we just walk by him. We walk in the spirit and he will bring about, he will grow his fruit in our life. And let me remind you of that fruit because it's good fruit. It's going to be love. It's going to be joy, peace, patience. We all need that. I do. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. In Galatians 2.20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. I laid that down. I died with him. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So guys, what is it? I know in my life there are many things. But I encourage you, from this study of Galatians, take away that it is by faith. God, he is faithful, and he is just, and he will do the things in your life if you'll trust him, if you'll surrender them to him. 
But guys, let's be faithful in our part. Because like I said, all throughout Scripture, we are committed to crucify the flesh, to, to, to repent, to turn to Him, to love Him, to know His Word, and all these things. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you, God. God, thank you that you're faithful. God, I ask you to teach me, and you taught me. God, I didn't expect it to come the way you did, but you did, and I thank you. God, and as I surrender the things like I surrendered Monday night, God, help me to be faithful and help us all to be faithful to prepare our hearts so that you can grow that good seed that you plant in us and that you can bring us to maturity in Christ, that you can transform us and that we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. God, but help us to realize it's you that brings the growth. God, and we can rest in your promises. We can have confidence in you. God, I'm reminded of David. God, when he fought Goliath, God, the the soldiers, all the Israelites around him, they were even prepared to fight the enemy. God, but all they saw was their lack and their their inability to fix the situation. But here comes little old David without even armor or anything. And he doesn't look at his lack. He looks at your provision and your ability and your faithfulness. And he picks up what he knew how to do. Just like we can, we can pick up the preparation of our heart. He picked up that rock and he slung it and he slew and defeated the enemy in the name of the Lord. And God, I ask that you'll help me and help everyone in here, whatever it is we're struggling with, not to look at our lack, but to look to you, the God of provision, the God who is able, the God who can, and let us rest in the promises of God, for they are yes and amen. And I just thank you, Jesus. I thank you that we don't live according to our ability. We don't have to strive and be slaves under the law. God, but we walk by faith and faith in the Son of God. And we praise your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Next week, I thank you guys for this lesson. And um, I thank you, Lord, for allowing me to speak what the Lord was doing in me. And I apologize, like I said, for jumping around in the scriptures. But um, next week, Dr. Mosier will be, I guess, picking up with Galatians 6, chapter 11. And uh, we'll be continuing from there um, in this great study. So thank you all. Do you have anything? Anybody need to announce anything? Yes, sir. Oh, my. Um. I, yeah. You know, Derek, I, I appreciate you asking that because that's actually something I've really struggled and that one of those things that I'm really have to putting in the Lord's hands because when I sit down to pray, my mind is bombarded with thoughts and I get off focus very, very quickly. Now, for me, and I'm going to open it up to the floor because this is an area I'm struggling in right now, and I'm waiting on the Lord, trusting that he will help. But worship music has helped some, um, preparing my heart with worship. 
Um, you know, actually, for me, even walking while I pray, because if I sit down, especially first thing in the morning, I just zonk back out. Um, anyone else? Can I open it up? Yes, Amy. A scripture that God has been working in my life, like if I've been studying, like hearing some of the scriptures, Galatians 2.20, and I'll basically take the I or whatever out and put my name in it. Or here's an example. I, I send out texts to people every morning, um, some close friends of mine. Sorry, guys, I'm... Um, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Heavenly Father, help us to see that we are in a spiritual war. The Father of lies has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, help us put on your armor and stand in your truth, because you promise us that we may have life and have it abundantly. Help us believe and see we are, where true life is found, where we might have wandered looking for life somewhere else. Help us return to you. Let us go forth this day rejoicing and praising the giver of life in Jesus' name. So, I mean, I've been doing this for a little while, but I promise you, you can't pray scripture wrong because it's his word. And that's, it's been a burden on my heart because I've struggled in the past with this. And like she said, worship, I have worship playing in our home pretty much 24-7 because Worship is the battle. All the people, Gideon, um, Jabez, um, Mom going blank, but she, um, she knows they go out and forth singing praise because sometimes, guys, you don't have to speak words. God knows our hearts, and you just weep. That's another. Thank you, Amy, because that brought back remembrance to me as well that I've been told, and there's actually books of scriptures you can pray, and there's apps with it too. And so thank you. I will we'll be looking for that myself, to, in, in inserting your name. Anyone else would like to speak to that? All right, any other questions? Like if you could pray for a certain length of time, then you're like, you know, didn't Jesus say, why couldn't you tarry with me for an hour? And so I think there's the perception that the longer you pray, the holier you are, or the more spiritual you are, the closer to God you are. Um, so I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at, too, is, you know, my prayers are short, even though I pray throughout the day. <laughs> but I'd like to pray longer prayers, and stay focused in an attitude of prayer for longer, if that makes sense. Would anyone like to speak to that? Pray for me, too, because I'm right there with you. Praying without ceasing, it's, a, it's just a relationship with God. I mean, God will stop me periodically, and I, on our way here, I drove by a church, and God just said, pray for the church. I don't know the church but I was just praying. So just, it's being in tune and just listening to the Spirit. You don't have to, you could pray four words. God knows your heart. You don't have to pray. No one's holier than all. We're all sinners saved by grace. No one, there's no levels, guys. <laughs> or, no one. And I'm, I find for me that I do, yes, sir. 
Um, I, I do um, find that I do need those set times because if I just, I pray without ceasing. Even during those three weeks, I had people come into mind, things come to nine, but without that time for me to sit down. But I know what you're saying because sometimes I think that's that where that striving comes in. Okay, because I'll do that. I'll be like, I got to pray for an hour. And I, sometimes I'll pray five minutes and it's more of a blessing than that hour that I've set aside. Yes, sir. Oh, did you have something, Paul? I'm sorry, Justin. He was next. <laughs> um, I really, my brother-in-law really challenged me. I had him uh, come to a prayer conference. To me, he's an amazing prayer warrior. Um, and so during Christmas season, we would actually come, the family would get together. And uh, so I would get up with him every morning. And, and he says, you know, he's the, he says, in my time with the Lord, he said, the Lord told me not to set an alarm that he would wake me. And he would get up at like uh, 4.30, 5 o'clock every morning, and it's like clockwork. And we would uh, we'd spend time together, and, and um, it, it was just an amazing time. I would I'd watch him just weep during those prayer times, and, and it was sometimes, you know, uh, a sense of, Lord, why can't I do, why can't I feel that way? Why can't I, you know, um, but, you know, he, he wrote about four different books on prayer. He, he did a journal with um, using E.M. Bounds material on prayer. Just, and, and I just really enjoyed, you know, that. But I think it's important to try to set a time that we can put aside the, the chaos but um, but at the same time, make sure we're just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit because throughout the day, and, and I'll give you a, 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 an instant where I failed. And um, a couple, the day before, the, the day that Brother Blodgett died, I, I had intention, the Lord put in my spirit to call or go that morning. I told Megan, I said, I'm going to Brother Blodgett's this morning. Well, I let three or four things occur, and I didn't go, and at 1 o'clock, I got a call for the Blodgett passed away. And so I think it's so important, and if the Lord is putting someone's name, dropping a name in your spirit, that you take the time to pray. And it may be that if it's so urgent in your spirit that you need to call. But being sensitive to those moments is that praying without ceasing um, so, yes, it's important to have time specifically set aside that you could put away distractions and, and um, you know, whether it be, I used to listen to just music. I, I can't listen to praise music and pray because I sing. I just, I, it, to me, it's almost a distraction because I'm a singer. And so I put praise and worship music on and I find myself just singing, you know, and, uh, and that, that might be prayer, but I, I have to put just instrumental music that has no rhyme or reason. Uh, and I know everybody has their different views of Benny Hinn, but he put out a, a wonderful just music laid without, um, without a specific song, uh, without lyrics or anything, you know. And so I would just put that on and just let that be a background ambience just to, to help me stay focused. But, I, I mean, the greatest thing is the Lord knows our heart. And that's, uh, and if we'll just keep a heart for God, 
uh, he'll he'll fashion it. Amen. Um, something that uh, that I've, I've shared with Tammy, you know, that I've really struggled with uh, over the past couple of years, a few years, is is just bitterness uh, towards the church because I've I got uh, I'm kind of talking to prayer rules a little bit, but um, I grew up in uh, ever since about about uh, fifth or sixth grade. I'm 43, 43 or 40, 43, something like that. Um, uh, in assemblies of God, and then, um, and uh, I, I really enjoyed assemblies of God. Learned a lot, got really challenged, grew a lot. Um, but one thing that one one negative that 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 I put on myself, I guess, or that 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 denomination kind of uh, turned out in me, I guess, uh, was that that I, there's a lot of rules, and if you don't follow the rules, then you're doing something wrong, or you should feel bad about it. And um, and that. That grew a lot of bitter, bitterness and a lot of frustration because the um, Lord revealed to me is that, is that my burden is light. The yoke's easy, man. Like, just have a relationship. Just talk. And I didn't, I didn't come away, like, as I grew and matured, I didn't feel like that was being taught to me. Is relax. Rest in him. Have peace in him. You know, uh, rest in the freedom of being with me. Relax. And... Uh, so I guess, uh, Derek, for you, I, I felt like I got told a lot of those rules. Dress your very best at church. You know what I wear now? I wear I wear a shirt like I'm in shorts. I I wore I started wearing jeans and just whatever shirt because I felt like if I didn't dress up, I'm doing something wrong. For me, that's not freedom. That's a rule. And uh, pray an hour a day. Sit down and read this. If you don't read a chapter a day, if you don't pray 30 minutes with the Lord, you did something wrong and you feel bad about yourself. And the more you don't do it, the more you should feel bad about yourself. And then I started questioning, am I really a Christian? Because I'm not doing those things. And so um, I, I, I agree with what Paul's saying. We, we do need to strive to pray. We do need to strive to read every, every day, you know, because, because you know, bodybuilders, they, they work out. You gotta work out the muscle, and um, and so I I have released my time to the Lord. Say, hey, speak to me all the time, that daily, whenever you want to talk, talk, man, talk to me. I'm here. My ears are open. Whenever you want to speak to me, speak, and I'm here, and I'll talk back, and I will respond to that. And I've found a lot of times I'm just like, it'll just be doing random mundane things, mowing, or or, or you know driving to the store or whatever. And the Lord and I will just start talking, and um, and I feel I've I've felt uh you know just a release of pressure, of having to do the daily, all the time, and feeling like I had to stick to that or feel like dirt as a Christian, and I I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to I don't want to feel like a caged Christian, and I felt like that for many many years, uh, because I kept trying to follow rules all the time and be this perfect thing that everybody could look at and say that guy's perfect. You know what? We're not. If how can we, how can we reach an unsaved world if all they're looking at is these people that perceive you know and look perfect? What, why in the world would they want to come to that and have relationship with that whenever we're not real, whenever it's not whenever it's not peaceful to come, relaxing, you know, uh, and we don't we can't rest in that and be free in Christ. There's a, 
so much power and freedom in Christ that, that I think a lot of us aren't tapped into yet because we're bound by rules. Uh, and maybe some of what, the, what a, the people who thought they were doing good and didn't intentionally do that to themselves or live in that, but they are. You know, who told you you had to do this and this and this and this? Was that you or was it a church that told you that? Is that somewhere in the Bible that says that? Or did you just make that up and do that on yourself? I really appreciate that because I've been facing that too. I was raised in a ritualistic church and I felt bound by the chains. And recently as I, I'm changing my ways, trying to release and rest in him, which is an expectation of him in my life. And um, he's really slowed me down to just look at his creation because I'm, she knows this, I'm, I'm a type A OCD check the box list and I can't do those check boxes anymore and he has really slowed me down just like you were saying just listening to music and just sitting there in silence and then sometimes just coming out of that you're like oh my goodness because you've slowed down enough or like the other day I was looking out my window and I was just looking at a bird and how God created it you know we serve a God that's just almighty and I think just slowing down and recognizing him just draws us in relation with him because we start understanding who his character is. And when we know who his character is, we can truly trust and just surrender in him. And I, I truly understand where you were. I mean, and I, I'm still bound in areas of my life in that way because I feel like sometimes my Bible studies, I'm checking the box. So literally, I'll totally throw it up and say, God, show me something else. I need to do something else because I feel like I'm checking the box. So I really do understand where you're coming from. Sometimes when I'm praying, I don't know if you all have ever felt this way, you, you almost feel like you're saying the same things over and over again, and you're not sure what to pray or how to pray, but maybe you don't want a recipe for it. But I have found that besides all these other wonderful things that you all have been talking about with praise music and those other things, if you um, go to the Psalms, and you were talking about praying scripture, but there's so many amazing prayers in the Psalms. And I know it's no coincidence that, you know, you can just open it up and start reading in the Psalms. And it's so many times something you're going through yourself, you'll you'll just read about yourself as you read it. But I find sometimes if you begin to just pray some of those prayers in the Word, and maybe it's not only the ones in the Psalms, there are other prayers too. It, it just gets you on the right track, and it teaches you, if you don't understand, you know, how do I praise God? Maybe you've only done it with songs before, um, but there's, it, it teaches you actually how to pray. Um, it, it teaches you, he, he's going through so many different things, whether it's David or the other psalmist. Sometimes they're just strictly a praise psalm, and you are just praising God as you read it. Sometimes it's a depth of sorrow in his heart, and the ones I've been reading lately are when he's being, um, it, the enemy, his enemies are coming against him, and he's crying out for help. But it's so, it's wonderful to me that maybe if I'm in that place where I don't really know what to pray, but I want to spend some time with God, if I just 
open up the word to those psalms, it just starts something amazing every time. Yes, ma'am. I was thinking through the still on that. So there was some lyrics that just came to my mind. So God does speak to me through songs and Jay as well. But Paul, you said that you get lost in music and that's hard for you. But for me, that's how I spend time in prayer because I love music and music gets my attention. And so a lot of times my prayer time is in the car. Um, If I'm struggling, if um, my alone time is is the car, because if I'm at home, um, I just get distracted. So a lot of times if there's something going on, I'll just look at Jay and I'll say, hey, I need a minute. I'm going to go for a drive because he hates drives. He hates just getting in a car with no purpose, (laughs) so (laughs) I know I can do that and not be bothered, and um, I will get in the car, and I will turn on praise and worship music, and it never fails, because I will just say, Apple, play Christian music, and it never fails that God puts on that song that speaks to me, and it may be something that I don't even want to hear in that moment, and then it breaks me, and it causes me to pray and, and talk to God, and, and God speaks to me in that way. So I think that for some, for some, you, you can do that, and you can pray that way, and that's how God speaks to you. But there was a song as I was sitting here um, that we used to sing on our praise team at the Meadow, and, it, and some of you may know it, but it says, If my praise is where demons tremble, and if my praise is where darkness bleeds, if my praise is where the enemy is defeated, then, Lord, I will praise you for the rest of my days. So for me, that is one of my anthems. I, I sing that whenever I'm going through something. And Jay can tell you there's probably once a month I'm running around the house belting that song out <laughs> because I can sing that song, and it is like everything that I am facing when I cannot pray I can sing that song, and it is like everything that is coming against me will move, and God will enter the room, and the words that I need to speak to God and that God needs to speak to me will just come in. And so for me, praise and worship is my prayer. And for me, I don't know, and and God will speak scripture to me through praise and worship. My mind is not great. I cannot memorize scripture like my husband can, and I, I, that's something that I envy. But for some reason, when I sing, it just comes to mind. And so for some, that might be it. And I don't know why I needed to share that, but I was just sitting here, and, and God just kept on saying Amber, and I hate talking so with a mic, so whenever I do it, I don't know. But anyways, I just wanted to share that. That's, that's me. That's how God ministers to me. So. Thank you, Amber. And I know, I know we need to be dismissed, but um, when she said the brokenness, something, Derek, that also helps me is like I've done that in the car, and it's like in the car, and I'm, I'm uninhibited by who hears me or whatever, and I can just cry. And if I can get to that place of brokenness, then it becomes more, net. it's not about the rules and the checklist and the whatever, because that's the, when his spirit seems to come.
Um, anyone else before we dismiss? Ken. What I'm getting out of this, I've had gardens. I was raised on a farm. But what God keeps saying to me over and over tonight is seek the Lord while he may be found. For the day is coming when no man will be able to seek him. Several times in the Bible, God tells us, if you seek me, you will find me. When, not if, but when you seek for me with all your heart. And that's what we're doing here. The people that are here, we need to keep the faith, keep it strong. The day is soon coming when no man is going to be able to seek God unless you're in heaven with him. So uh, we need to heed the word. We need to know what the word says, and we need to keep seeking God. Some of, some of us have to have music to pray. Some of us have to have quiet to pray. Some of us need to walk to pray. Some of us need to keep still to pray. But having that personal, deep-down relationship with God is what's going to make the difference for all of us. And I'm, I'm not saying just for one or two people. I mean all of us. It's personal. If you love God, you're going to love your fellow. You're going to walk together. You're going to seek God together. This is a cool place because these people, all of you people, I think, know that. And you try to do that. We don't always make it. We don't always get it right. But we will always get it if we seek God. Amen. Let's dismiss. Um, in Isaiah 55, 1, it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come by wine and milk, without money and without price. I do not have the ability to live out a righteous life without him. And, you know, he says, come, come all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And we do have to learn that resting in him. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, thank you for their transparency. God, thank you that we can come along beside each other and encourage each other in the faith. God, help each one of us. God, I ask even for the desire to spend time with you and to seek you and to know you. God, teach me. God, draw me close to you. Draw us all close. God, we just, I just ask that you watch over us, that you'll keep us safe as we go about our separate ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.